In the Old Testament, we have Moses interceding before the living God on behalf of Israel. His arms were raised up high. He was praying before the God of heaven, just as the pagan nation may have done rituals and and may have sought the demon deities that they worshipped and that they were attached to for their victory. They they would seek, as some uh, pagan tribes have, uh, the war gods. And in that Old Testament context of uh, battle, demonstrating itself in the physical plane, but being decided on a spiritual plane. Moses was praying and interceding, and as he was doing that, uh, the hand of God was coming through. There was an advancement of the kingdom in the Old Testament sense, and the victory was being given to Israel in that battle. When the prayers began to cease as Moses grew tired, and as the arms began to go down, obviously the 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 powers of darkness began to push forward the pagan nations. And it's very clear in biblical revelation that even the physical factors around us have a spiritual cause uh, to the to the effects that we see around us. Even the New Testament, God reveals it again in Ephesians chapter 6, that we are not uh, wrestling or warring against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Our, not, our battle's not against the flesh and blood uh, per se, but it is against what's happening behind the scenes. Dear friend, if you are a great prayer warrior, if you're somebody who wants to give yourself to prayer, then God will be able to use your life as we read in James chapter 5, where the Spirit of God uses Elijah as a great example of the kind of prayer people that we can become. He's considered someone who prayed and stopped the uh, rain for three years and prayed again, and the rain occurred. A tremendous, uh, visible, demonstrative uh, answer, powerful, supernatural answer, uh, and powerful in prayer. And the Word of God gives us Elijah and tells us, Kathos, that he is a man just like us, exactly like us. And that's why God has given us so many demonstrations where victory is applied to Old Old Testament Israel. Or in the New Testament, deciding factors, for example, in the case of Peter, uh, in jail. Wrongly jailed, yes. But as he's sleeping and his arms are cuffed and there's uh, soldiers guarding him and the gates, uh, iron gates uh, are, are shut and locked, uh, there was a little group of believers that were praying all night long. And as the intercession went before God, they didn't even know it. Angel, an angel was dispatched. The hand of God began to move. And Peter, of course, was was awakened and the angel spoke to him. The chains on his arms supernaturally fell off. The guards uh, were completely blinded in every way. Uh, concerning Peter getting up. And as they began to move out, you can read about it in the book of Acts. As they began to move out, the Bible just simply says, those iron bars uh, opened all by themselves. Well, to the human eye, all by themselves. But it was the hand of God. It was angelic help that God had sent on the basis of uh, intercession. These are the laws of engagement. When the dark side would uh, conjure dark powers to bless them and guide them and direct them, when they would uh, seek uh, uh, through sacrifice and blood sacrifice the favor of demon deities, they do have power, and they manifest power. And uh, they do it to gain favor and to gain advancement and protection and so many other things. In the world that we live in, it's fallen. 
Though Jesus Christ has come to the cross, and uh, by that cross, we read in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. All around us, the world has been grid-mapped. There is a spiritual force, that a dark spiritual force, according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 on down, that uh, brings great suppression and battle. And five times the word against is used, and it refers to the dark side being against the body of Christ. That's why Jesus said, I will build a church. And uh, that church, uh, as it's being built, the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, shall not prevail or, or withstand the advance and the onslaught of the body of Christ. My friends, the body of Christ is not only here to be a vessel of grace to the world, but it is also a weapon of spiritual warfare. The only uh, uh, body that has been given uh, not only the blood of Christ, the grace of Christ, the righteousness of Christ, but also the authority of Jesus uh, to trample. Authority has been given for a purpose. It is not a badge. It is not a picture. It is not a halo around our heads. It is authority that we are to exercise and use against the manifested uh, presence of evil around us. We are to have a decisive victory. Nike is the Greek word. We're to have victory to overcome all the power of the enemy. And if you have not yet heard through so many of our own broadcasts and interviews that uh, biblical prophecy tells us that the satanic uh, rage and the manifestation of demonic presence is now unparalleled in human history. And it will not, it will not subside. It will continue wave after wave after wave with each wave being higher and stronger and crashing in in a more rapid pace. Biblical prophecy tells us that we're headed for days of unparalleled and unequaled demonic presence and satanic agenda in all the hu history of the human race, all the history of the Old Testament and the New Testament as uh, we look at the past. You and I are in a day in which the incomparably great power of God is upon our lives. Ephesians, we can read it in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and all the way through. There is to be a manifestation of the kingdom of God, the basileia, the rule of God. Well, hey, I'm getting ahead of myself here. This is Russ Dizdar, ShatterTheDarkness.net on the web. And I'm just going to simply be going over what we call the strategic targeted intercession and spiritual warfare. Uh, it's a mapping, a, a little manual. Uh, sometimes I've called it a glorified request list. But we've tried to be more precise with it. And uh, there's two foundations. So if you've come to this web page, or if you've clicked on to this particular uh, training podcast, then um, there's also a link uh, that will give you the two pages of notes uh, to the... Uh, to the training that we have, and uh, also to uh, the prayer map, the actual prayer map, which is probably about 12, I don't know, 11 or 12 pages long. Now, if you have that, it's going to be really great because, um, and again, nobody has to use pages of paper. Uh, and so many times I just do this without it because I've done it so long now. But the pages will help you uh, become disciplined and devoted and uh, will help you to to um, write down the things that God is showing you and lay down the, the things that God has burned your heart with and, and to know biblically oriented and in the will of God praying. And you'll be able to use uh, the prayer map uh, 
uh, kind of as an interaction in your prayer time. And obviously, it's going to take some time. Let me just say a few things before we go to the pages. Because each page deals with a focused area. And it's going to try to get you and I to focus on and spend time in the presence of God on a particular area. And there's a reason for that. Many years ago, um, when we were dealing with a lot of underground satanic activity and really studying and taking a look at the, the agenda that we were seeing developing out of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, we read very clearly there concerning the rise of the Antichrist. Uh, it'll come with the work of Satan. Now, the Greek word work means a supernatural operative power uh, and activity in the Scripture. It's used of God's work in us in the book of Philippians. It is God who is at work in you. And that's a supernatural operative power in your life. But, we are, but it's also used concerning Satan. He's really got power. He's really got strategy. He's really out there. And uh, there are probably trillions of demons and there's a great uh, satanic agenda over the politics of the world, for, for, for governing, over the military, over science, uh, over nations. As we've read in the Old Testament about the prince of Persia, and there's also the demonic prince of Greece and so forth. And Michael is the prince of Israel protecting uh, the nation. So please understand, as we move into this, uh, prayer has always been about bringing down in a fallen world uh, the breaking in of the kingdom of God. Because as humans, we've given it over. We've sinned tragically. We've listened to the liar. And uh, we have fallen from the glory of God. And we have sinned. We've done what Satan himself did. And the Bible teaches us very clearly in Second Corinthians 4.4, it calls Satan the God of this age the God of this age. Or if you go to 1 John chapter 5, when it talks about the evil one who's in control of the whole world. He's in control of the world. So you read that, and it's almost unbelievable when you begin to take a look at Scripture and uh, look at the biblical revelation. Look, let's look what the Spirit of God has painted, the communication, the uh, intelligence report of the Spirit of God in the Word of God as we have clear, uh, razor-sharp revelation on who Satan is, what his agenda is, what his methods are, and literally what he's going to be doing in the future so that we can know that when prophecy is being fulfilled, just like Peter on the day of Pentecost, when the prophecy of Joel was being fulfilled, he was able to say to the crowd, This is that which the prophet Joel talked about. He was standing in the direct fulfillment. It was a fulfillment of, uh, of uh, prophecy given hundreds of years prior. And uh, now he stood there to see uh, the precision, the accuracy of God once again fulfilling uh, what he spoke. Uh, and no one can do it like God. 300 prophecies in the Old Testament referring to the first coming of Jesus. The uh, one-third of the entire New Testament is biblical prophecy. Uh, and it refers to the coming of Christ and all the events. But in that one-third of all the prophecy, um, as much as one-half of it or more deals with the satanic side, deception, seduction, counterfeit prophets, uh, false signs, wonders, miracles, every sort of evil, the ramping up, the false prophet, the Antichrist, uh, Babylon rising uh, worldwide, and uh, the biblical picture of an unparalleled time in human history, 
of demonic presence, satanic presence, uh, in politics, in the military, in science, in pseudo-religion, to gain control for the end goal of Revelation 19.19. Now I'll let you study Revelation 19.19, because there you're going to find the revelation of the ultimate end goal of uh, the satanic agenda. What we're talking about right now is learning a little bit more about prayer. Now listen, when I got saved, you know, 32 years ago, I remember hearing the preacher say that uh, there's a scripture, he said, said, ask, you shall receive, seek, you shall find, and knock, and the door will be opened. And man, I believed that. I believed that, and I remember going out that time and uh, that week from church, because listen, I was a pagan kid running around uh, into Buddhism, Taoism, and all kinds of other spiritual things. None of it led me, led me to God, and then encountered, you know, I, I've shared my testimony before, getting saved, uh, being filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, now, you know, I, was, I loved going to the church. I was drawn to going to a local churches, and I didn't know anything yet, but I heard a sermon, and this preacher quoted Jesus When Jesus said, Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened. So I began to pray. And I hadn't done this in any sense sense of my life. I really haven't. I began to pray and believe God. And I put out three prayers particularly that week. And I realized coming back next Sunday as the preacher was talking on another topic of prayer that God had answered all three. I sat there astounded. It wasn't just one of the three prayers. It was all three of them. And I was astounded. I was totally astounded. I hope that God would give us all the grace to be astounded even today when a prayer is answered. You see, God created prayer not as an exercise in verbiage and words. Uh, God created prayer as an avenue to get answers. It's all about getting the answers. Romans, or John chapter 15 rather, would tell us that uh, a sign of being obedient to Jesus and a disciple, a real, a bona fide disciple of Jesus Christ and a way of glorifying God is bearing fruit. John chapter 15 verse 7, simply Jesus said, Listen, if you abide in me and my word abides or remains, dwells in you through belief and obedience, then ask whatever you will. Ask whatever you wish, the Greek word thelema, and it will be given to you. Then he says in verse 8, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Fruit bearing uh, and answers to prayer is, is in, in, in exact context in those two verses. Part of the reason we've been chosen in Christ uh, was a, a selection of being fruit bearers, those who would bring about uh, the works of God uh, into the into the affairs of man, which includes all that Jesus did, all that we see in the Book of Acts. So the incredible uh, answers, the, the incredible possibilities, are still before us. Ephesians chapter three and verse fourteen down. Uh, Paul the Apostle says, I kneel before the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derive its name. And then he's going to ask God out of his glorious riches to strengthen those believers by the power of the Holy Spirit in the inner man so that Christ would live there uh, by by a, a conscious experiential indwelling that they might be able to perceive the love of God. The goal of that prayer was that they might be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now you continue to read there a little bit, and you're going to read an incredible thing where it says this, the Spirit of God through Paul emotionally explodes these words. 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory. Now listen, to him be the glory in the church and for all the ages, forever and ever. Read that simple little verse in in Ephesians 3, and there's a Greek word, huperek periusu. And it simply means just what it says there. As I read in this translation, it says uh, that he's able to do uh, immeasurably more. Now listen, that means you cannot measure. You cannot measure what God can do. Your mind, your imagination cannot uh, think is broad, wide. Cannot it, You cannot um, go beyond what God is able to do. Your mind doesn't have the capacity. You do not have the imagination, the miracles of God, the power of God, the grace of God, the things that God can do. So I want to encourage you that, number one, prayer has been given to us as a gift from God uh, for the purpose of getting answers. And this is a a, a tremendous difficulty I see with, with a lot of prayer movements and so forth, of just seeking God and getting the Spirit's leading and guidance and so forth, where the emphasis really is uh, on the issue of getting answers. Ask and you shall receive. Now, in one of the other Gospels, Jesus expanded on that. He said, everyone that asks will receive. Everyone that seeks will find. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he goes on to tell the story about if you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts uh, to your kids. If your kids ask for a, for a bread, are you going to give them a scorpion? Well, no, the answer is. You're going to give them bread. Uh, well, Any time in my life my daughter's asked for food or something or whatever, I've not gone out and gave her, I've never given her glass or razor blades. That's crazy. And uh, Jesus uses that in the context of saying the very next thing. When he says, you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more, how much more, your Heavenly Father, give good gifts to them that ask. Listen, there's a lot of people not asking. The condition of this is the issue of asking. That includes salvation. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And prayer is all about the asking. James 4 tells us you have not because you ask not. Now it can be the issue of wrong motives too, but they had a a whole condition, a fleshly condition of not even asking. And uh, we need to come back to the uh, Lordship of Christ to the powers of God, uh, seeking that God, like Psalm 68, that God would summon the powers, His powers, that He would show us and demonstrate that power as He has done before. The chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands upon thousands. There are new revivals to occur. There's presence and power dedicated uh, to witnessing believers, to those committed to the Great Commission. The power of God is committed. To those committed to the Great Commission, the mission of God. All of heaven backs the mission of God. And uh, God does search for prayer warriors. God does search. And uh, He's given us so much instruction. And I'm going to be able to give a little bit of that here in this strategic targeted intercession and this spiritual warfare prayer map that we do. And by no means does it limit anything. Uh, He's able to do immeasurably more than all of us can ask or even imagine. And uh, God is amazing. God is amazing in what He's able to do. 
when Joshua stood there before that one day and commanded for the sun to stop and stand still? Could he imagine that that would ever occur? Or Moses with his staff before the, the sea and, and holding it out and seeing uh, the waters divide and, and a million eight hundred thousand people travel through? On the day of Pentecost, the power of God that came. On the day the church was again threatened and told to shut up and quit witnessing. Acts chapter 4, the believers gathered together and they prayed and they quoted the word of God and they asked God again for power on the boldness for the sake of the mission and completing it and reaching every soul for Christ, which includes healing and deliverance and signs and wonders and the works of God. And all of it's included as it backs as Jesus said he himself would uh, be with us to the end of the age as long as we're going to do the mission you know we don't decide a mission and go off and say Jesus hang with us follow us out here in the, to the left or the right no Jesus gave us a mission we're to run with perseverance the race marked out for us Hebrews 12 and so the race marked out is laid out it's not our mission it's God's mission and the, the mission is uh, reach the world with the gospel. That's number one. That is, uh, that is the central mission, the priority, the high calling of heaven. The privilege is worship and embracing Jesus. The mission is reaching the world and then incorporating them, baptizing in them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to also obey everything whatsoever Jesus taught those first disciples. And that's what happened. And we read in, in Mark 16.20 simply that the disciples went out everywhere. They were out evangelizing, is the Greek word. They were out evangelizing, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed His word by the signs that followed. Now, this is why I'm going to say again that uh, prayer is not some agonizing effort in the sense that um, God is so reluctant, so mean, so, uh, you know... I mean, we know a word in this world that I don't even like to use, but it's the word tightwad. And uh, we used to say it as kids. My dad played a game with us sometimes when he'd come home from work. And uh, when he came home, he would have in his hand, he was, you know, we're, we're five and six years old, and he's so big and strong, and he would have a few quarters in his hands, but he'd close his fist real tight. And we can barely see the coins, and we'd begin to pry one little finger open at a time, one finger, then the next finger. By the time we get to the third finger, and we're prying his fingers open, uh, we're almost ready to grab the money inside his hand, and then he closes his hand again. And we would do that. We found out that it was a game that my dad would do. But it just, I mean, he, he had the power to withhold from us any time. And my dad would finally open. But it, we had to work and work and work and work and work and work. Well, listen, let me tell you something. Don't project that on God. God simply isn't playing a game when it comes to prayer. God has designed prayer uh, to be the avenue, uh, the vessel from uh, the laws of engagement, as someone has said, through which uh, His presence, power, grace, mercy, and works would come through. And you can see it as Jesus modeled it and did it. You can see it as He uh, was training the early disciples in Luke chapter 10. You can see it in the 30 years of history in the book of Acts. And you can see the kind of prayers and intercession that went on. And let me tell you something. Um, they prayed for things to get done. They prayed for the advancement of the gospel. And they prayed uh, very clearly of targeted and, um, and strategic things. Let me mention uh, very clearly why we call this strategic and targeted. 
Because we want to, and especially in the area of spiritual war too, we want to make sure that we know that we have, uh, we know what we're asking for. Jesus one time asked a, a, a man that was sickly, uh, what is it that you want? So the question I have for you right now, what is it that you want? As you get before God right now, what is it that you want? Many Christians only know a couple types of praying. Many Christians only know crisis praying. That is, they really only pray when trouble occurs, bad things occur. Oh God, help me. Oh God, get me out of this. Oh God. And uh, that's the kind of praying they know. Crisis prayers. Now we all have crisis times we seek the Lord. Psalms is filled with teaching on, on seeking God as a believer in times of trouble. And uh, definitely not being passive and laying back in some you know, cubbyhole somewhere. But to seek God and find refuge and, and find that in every case that someone sought God for deliverance, in every case of the book of Psalms, uh, God stepped in eventually. And God answered powerfully for those that sought Him, for those that made Him the refuge, for those who seen Him as the rock and the fortress and the deliverer. Psalm 18 is a tremendous demonstration of that. But let me encourage you. In a day of unparalleled demonic manifestation in a day of unparalleled uh, satanic uh, uh, agenda being developed on the face of the earth whether or not Antichrist is here or not I don't know that for sure my speculation is he already exists on the face of the earth that the troops are being built that we're getting very very close to the great revolt and then to the, the revealing of the Antichrist and, and everything will change uh, we've been through the frog-in-a-kettle approach where slowly, spiritually, uh, since the 60s in the United States, and specifically in Europe, there's been this, uh, this, uh, this confusion spiritually and alternative spirituality and all the other junk that has brought confusions. Again, counterfeit signs, wonders, miracles. Counterfeit spirituality and in every sort of evil that will deceive those who are perishing. So the secret power of lawlessness has already been at work, operating in the world. That's why we see not only cultures that are becoming uh, uh, in critical mass opposed to the gospel, to Christians, to Christianity. Um, we also see uh, the flourishing of thousands upon thousands of different cults, numerous uh, groups like a sect, uh, like the Jehovah Witnesses, and, and on and on. And uh, we see the rise of um, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of covens. Uh, we see satanic covens, Masonic uh, temples, 50,000 in the United States. We see uh, the largest cultic movement in the history of, of Christianity, the New Age movement, in Europe, in England, and here throughout the United States. We see that uh, America is a spiritual land. But the overwhelming, uh, more than half of America is uh, connected to the seducing spirits that the Holy Spirit spoke about in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The Spirit expressly or clearly has said and painted the picture and has given us an intelligence report that in those last days, the days we are living in, see it was written 2,000 years ago, and just up before the time of the actual uh, appearance of Antichrist in the very end of the end, there would be this incredible ramping up of satanic presence 
and the powers being displayed because so many hearts would be opened. As uh, the enemy morally dirties everybody, then he also uh, spiritually uh, deceives and moves people to that Luciferian lie of a promise of uh, spiritual evolution, ascendancy to godlike status. That's the new age. That's the core of it. That's the core of Luciferianism. Uh, that's the core of many of those systems to become more than man. And in Christ, we become redeemed man and eventually glorified mankind. And uh, there is there it outshines all the alternatives. Well, that's another discussion too. But it is a battle. It is a spiritual battle. And as we live our lives, please let me tell you that we need all the biblical revelation. Uh, that we can put into practice so that we can become those vessels, redeemed vessels, uh, through which the living God, the living Christ, will manifest mercy, grace, love, and power and authority in the world around us. And you, dear Christian, you've been called to take up the cross to follow Christ. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high the royal banner. It must not suffer loss. And so I want to encourage you right now as you're listening that God would grip your heart, that the spirit of prayer and supplication, He is the spirit of prayer and supplication, as He would grip your heart and move upon you and lead you and lead you to become an incredible prayer warrior, to become someone who's going to be manifesting the presence, power, works, and grace and might of God in the world around us. As we see it in the book of Acts, and as we have it instructed uh, throughout the Gospels and the rest of Scripture. My friend, like Colossians chapter 2, uh, chapter 3 rather, tells us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And that's what we want even in the beginning of this prayer map. So let me just tell you again, one of the issues of the prayer mapping targeted strategic um, style that we're talking about is that it's a biblical revelation that we're following uh, Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. When the Spirit of God says that he first, you know, the first priority, there's priority, first of all, and with urgency. Look what God is saying. I urge that prayers, that requests, that thanksgiving be made for everyone. And then he focuses on kings and those in authority. There's a reason for that. How much praying in your church do they do for those in authority? Government officials, kings and presidents and military people. Because that is, that is the ultimate battleground for the control of the world. There's a reason. There's a strategic reason why the Spirit of God laid it out as, as uh, the Holy Spirit calls the church to put prayer as the, as the priority. Listen, you know what we make priority? We spend more time in some churches giving announcements, telling what's going on during the week, all the other things, which are fine. Announcements need to be told. Nothing wrong with that. But I want to tell you something. Test this in your local Sunday morning service. Watch how much time is given to corporate prayer where everybody's praying and interceding. Everybody, like in Acts chapter 4, is raising their voices together in prayer to God for the soul, salvation of souls, revival of the church, the advancement of the kingdom, the crushing of satanic works, the healing of lives, for those in authority to be influenced by God and be protected from the demonic agenda. Tell me, how many, how many, uh, how many minutes on Sunday morning Listen, I've been a pastor 30 years, so I'm sharing out of experience. 
in churches how many minutes do we give god in when it comes to prayer where the greatest listen do you know something can i tell you something i want to tell you something no miracle in the old testament or the new ever came unless it came through a redeemed or someone who's in a, a, a believer someone who's in touch with god you know, no raising of the dead, uh, no uh, power falling in Acts chapter 4, shaking a house, no jail cell where an earthquake occurs and busts open the doors where Paul and Silas and the jailer get saved, uh, no power that falls and saves the whole household of Cornelius, no Eutychus being uh, raised from the dead. You can go through the signs and wonders and miracles, deliverances, and everything else. None of it occurred without a redeemed individual praying and uh, doing what God said. Doing what God said. That's why I'm going to tell you that Satan would truly be against your prayers, as he was against Daniel's prayer in the book of Daniel. I mean, Daniel, that's all he had left. Three times a day, man, living in Babylon, 56 demonized temples, sacrifice and magic and powers all around him, a demonized uh, a king worshiping a demon deity, and he lived in a land of uh, the, the thick manifestation of great darkness. No wonder the politics uh, became the the uh, became demonized ideology uh, and was enforced by sorcerers uh, giving you know p- appealing to the king uh, to shut down the prayers of Daniel. Can I tell you something right now? The enemy would love to shut down your prayers and shut down the prayers of the church. Luciferian infiltrators, as I've shared on other training podcasts, that's part of the agenda. Shut down the prayers. When you're going after the enemy, and they see us as the enemy, by the way, you got to shut down the guns, shut down the tanks, shut down the arsenal. You know, If you can shut down and, and stop all the bullets and all the bombs and, and all the you know tanks and all the, all the things, being sent, uh, then nothing's going to be hitting you. And uh, that's what the enemy would love to do. He'd love to shut down your faith so that you won't be able to come. You see, you, you can't go before the Lord without faith. Matter of fact, let me tell you a principle here. Okay, Think about this principle. You'll never do any more than you believe. You'll never do. You'll never pray any more than you believe. And until we can get down and repent of, of our unbelief and everything else, We need to come before God and believe God for what He says. We need to launch off the Word of God. That's what we do. We, by faith, take the Word of God, it's the Word of faith anyway, and launch out that He's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. That if we ask, we'll receive. Seek, find, knock, doors open. Jesus told another parable about a a man that was going to bed one night and got his kids all in, and his neighbor had a friend come of a faraway country. You know the story. And Jesus used the story to talk about the need for shameless persistence in prayer. And that answers, that we're to be praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and asking and seeking until the answer comes in hand. That's what the early church did. That's the instruction. That's the example. That's the model. And that's how it works right now, today, just the same way. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and for all the tomorrows, forever. Hallelujah. That he's the same. And uh, that you've gotten a hold of this providentially and that God is calling you and I 
to become great, 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 great prayer warriors and to avail ourselves before the King of Heaven and uh, just offer yourself, God, here I am. I give you my life. I want to be a witness for Christ. I want to be, you know, uh, someone that influences the world. I want to be like Philip uh, in the book of Acts. I want to be, you know, like the prayer warriors that we see in the book of Acts. I want here. I give you my heart and life, Lord. Use my life in prayer, and God wants you to glorify Him and demonstrate that you are a disciple of Jesus um, by bearing much fruit. And the only way, according to John 15, here's it's not the secret. I think a lot of us have forgotten about it. The simple answer to bearing a lot of fruit: obey the Word of God. You cannot help growing. You cannot help getting close to the Lord. You cannot help experiencing more of Him. You cannot help growing stronger and stronger and experiencing victory uh, over the world, the flesh, and the enemy. You cannot help but to see miracles occur, souls won, the kingdom advanced, satanic powers destroyed on one key factor. Obedience to the Word of God. If the Word of God is abiding you, remaining you, if you're obeying the Word of God, you can read about it in John fifteen ten. The reason Jesus, you know, dwelt and lived in the love of the Father was he just simply obeyed the commands. We're to obey the commands of Jesus. Put the commands of Jesus into practice. You'll see how simple this is in the book of First John. The Holy Spirit tells us the same story across the board. That uh, that the two things, the primary things, to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus and to love one another, and that that will free up our whole prayer life. So much so that John, 1 John 3 tells us that we can ask for anything. We're going to get it before we're going to get it. We're told in 1 John chapter 5 by the Holy Spirit Himself. This is the confidence, assurance, the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Akuo. He hearkens to your prayers. He's paying attention to your prayers. He's coming. And if we know, hoida, the Greek word meaning factually know that he's hearing us, then we also know factually that we'll receive the answers. Did you know that, uh, what good would it be to pray if you didn't really want to get an answer? Uh, what good is it to do, you know, that prayer isn't some psychological release, though there's great benefit in talking to God and sharing our problems. You can cry out to God and share your problems and, and, and everything else and worship and so forth. I'm not talking about just talking and releasing issues and saying, God, I'm really hurting. I'm talking about now praying and asking. I'm talking about praying and asking. I read, you know, in the Psalm, or in Isaiah, rather, 62, and, and I read there about how God was going to collect... Um, collect uh, you know those who would come to the wall of Jerusalem and he was going to make literally make prayer warriors they were to give themselves no rest and to give God no rest until he establishes until he brings about everything well let me touch on this one thing and if you've downloaded the page pages the prayer map on that front page it simply says strategic targeted intercession and spiritual warfare You'll see towards the bottom where it talks about preemption, First Timothy two, uh, chapter two, verses one on, verses one through six, where the Spirit of God says, first of all, and with urgency, passion, let us pour out the prayers and requests and thanksgivings and so forth uh, before God uh, for for those everybody, including listen, s- focusing on kings and those in authority. Notice what it says in the context. This is good 
and pleases God, our Savior, who wills all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Your prayers does have everything to do with people getting saved. Your prayers have everything to do with uh, uh, extending the grace and mercy of God and breaking satanic blinding and powers and so forth. And that's, that's the call of God. And so assuming that you and I are going to say, man, you know what, I'm not just going to give myself to crisis praying or even just to five minutes of devotional praying. You know, in the morning, I'm going to read one verse of Scripture and I'm going to pray two, three, or four minutes on the day that I pray for work and I pray for this, pray for my family, then go off. Okay, well, that's, that's good, but not good enough. What do I mean by that? Listen, what about giving God the first half hour of the day? What about somewhere in the day, instead of four or five hours of TV, there's one hour dedicated to God in prayer and intercession. And, uh, and listen, in that, since God the Holy Spirit says it's a priority, first of all, first on the list. And uh, I, I think it's really important that we do it in the morning. Uh, I have, I, I, I'm committed to a morning and an evening watch. That's what I'm committed to. And any time I've ever broken it or not had it, I can, I can tell the difference. But I know if I meet God in the morning and I've, I've gone through prayer and intercession, many other things that I need to go through and prayed throughout the whole day. Listen, I've already prayed in, in getting God's wisdom and blessing and presence and getting up off out of that prayer and worship time and stepping out into the day. And I've already prayed over things that are coming up for the day. And um, that's important. So if we take the scripture seriously where it says, first of all, well then, first of all, first of all, and then where, where the Holy Spirit says, I urge. There's an urgency. Let me say a few other things. The prayer map that you have before you, the one that we use, or we're going to encourage you to use, uh, or develop as God helps you to develop too, uh, what you need for your area, um, is based on two simple things. The Word of God, biblical revelation, and the Spirit of God's application along the way. Now that includes... You know, um, God gives you the desires of your heart. Desires that come to your heart. You know, people have called that divine desire. God puts, you know, something on your heart or you come before the Lord. I have no problem coming before God with whatever it is. He's, he's going to show me through scriptural screening, taking the word of God, whether something's according to the will of God or not. The Spirit of God's here to help me. I mean, look at Romans chapter 8. The Spirit of God is to help us in our weakness. Sometimes we don't know how to, we ought to pray. And so you've got the, you've got the expert on prayer. You have Jesus' demonstration in words. By the way, he's the intercessor always interceding for us anyway. And you have the spirit of intercession in you and upon you. Man, we've got help. We've got, we've got incredible, we've got infinite help. And uh, the sad thing is that the lack of belief uh, of uh, what, can, uh, what God has designed prayer for and what can happen and the incredible, amazing interaction uh, of a prayer warrior intercession uh, intercessor uh, that goes on between that intercessor and God, and uh, what a relationship! Uh, when you're praying, you're, you're you know being in His presence. The Spirit of God's there to help me. You know, I could have ten prayer warriors around me, and I appreciate that. And I, I've many times knelt down, and all kinds of people have a hand on somebody's shoulder, and we're all praying, you know, and, or somebody's gathering around somebody. And one of the things we do, we have somebody sit in a chair, and we get all around to pray for them. And uh, everybody's praying and praying, you know. Um, you know what? We're really being blessed by that help. But did you know you have the helper? God the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor, the teacher, who'll be with you forever. And he's helping you. So just 
you know, that's why I want to encourage you. On the foundation of the Word of God, both its instruction and the examples and the models that we see in the book of Acts, that's what we leap off of. And uh, then by faith, just leaping off into into, uh, what it is, uh, God's will and, and what He wants us to do. Uh, we have needs that we want to bring before God, burdens that He gives us. And there's so many things in Scripture. 98% of all the prayers in the New Testament, uh, the recorded prayers, were prayers uh, for the church, prayers for one another, prayers for leaders. You can study all the prayers in the New Testament that were spoken out, and you get primarily the prayers. You have two places specifically. You have Paul uh, in Romans, and you have here uh, the request for the prayer uh, on behalf of the lost. And it's a priority. It's a priority. Intercession's priority is prayers for the lost with a specific a specification. Those uh, in authority, the kings and the leaders and the rulers, politically and militarily, were to pray for their salvation. And it's good. God is pleased. The Greek word simply means there is a, an emotional delight uh, as uh, we are praying uh, as a priority for the souls and lives of men. And then we have so many scriptures to show us how to pray for one another, pray for the church, uh, pray with uh, in the power of the Spirit with all kinds of prayers and uh, for all the saints all the time. Uh, obviously, Ephesians chapter 6. Going back one last thing to 1 Timothy 2. Simply saying this, that there's a Greek word desis, that simply um, means uh, very specific praying. Uh, when those who were at Rhoda's house in the book of Acts, when they are praying, they weren't praying just rambling off prayers. They were praying for Peter in his deliverance. They had a specific agenda in prayer. And that prayer continued and continued until he was literally supernaturally sprung as God intervened and acted. In the world around us, we know that God will intervene. God will act. That uh, miracles and works and blessings and revivals and even uh, massive spiritual awakening is awaiting, is out there before us. So many things can happen. Listen, let me take you through some of the pages and uh, just kind of describe to you what we do. When we are committed as uh, in devoted to prayer on a daily basis, when we're being watchful concerning the satanic impending dangers and so forth, and being thankful along the way so that our spirits are always filled with gratitude, uh, God will use you uh, as a prayer warrior. Continue with your crisis prayers when you need them. Continue in a devotional prayer. Uh, part of intercession is praying for your family. Daily bread. You're allowed to pray for your own needs. But even when Jesus laid out a uh, outline of prayer, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, worship, and then intercession, praying for the kingdom of God, His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, praying for the advancement of the kingdom of God, not that we decide God's will, but that we implement or advance God's will. That's what it's all about. If you will take a look at page 1, in the pages I've given you, you'll see at the top of the page. And listen, we've done over the years a number of prayer maps and we've changed some of the arrangement. And the one you have simply begins with preparation. And then we go to page two, worship. And then page three deals with praying for souls and spiritual awakening, referring to thousands of souls. In our prayer map on page four, we deal with victims of the satanic agenda. In other words, targeting prayer for those who are really caught up 
uh, those who had been taken to do Satan's will, uh, captive, and uh, to focus on victims like that. Uh, page 5, we deal with exposure, discernment, and revelation that is needed as we uh, step out in ministry and um, as we use it to expose the evil deeds of darkness. Page 6, we're praying specifically, defeat and destroy satanic works, demonic presence, and the enemy's attacks. And page 7, the body of Christ, the church. Page uh, 8, we're praying for more laborers. Uh, page 9, uh, we take time in our meetings to bless one another and pray for each other and saturate each other in prayer. Uh, page 10 is uh, just dealing with your own, own issues and laying out prayers for yourself. And we give time for individuals to do that. Let me start with page 1 preparation now listen that's a simple thing before we even begin to launch out in worship before the lord we begin by just simply getting before the lord and saying lord just prepare me consecrate yourself before the lord tomorrow you know he'll do amazing things you know tomorrow as the scripture teaches in the in joshua uh, with Joshua, rather. And so there is a thing that we, we, we simply want to make sure as we get ready, because sometimes some of the workers will gather together in a car when we're off on one of our reap trips, mission trips. And, <coughs> excuse me, before we give one hour of prayer, um, we start off by just say, taking a little bit of time. Lord, you know, cleanse me of any sin. I repent of anything. I want to put, you know, I want to build myself, you know, might quote a couple scriptures, might just, you know, that's where you sit and you just get in the presence of God. Just acknowledge His presence, acknowledge the Lord, acknowledge victory, quote some scriptures in prayer, listen to what God says. You know, if there's any sin or any issues in our life, you know, cast our cares in the Lord. That's what I simply mean by doing, you know, taking a little bit of time preparation. Now, if you're looking at page one, you'll notice the word, you know, preparation. And James chapter four, verse eight on down, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. You know, come near to God and God will come near to you. Wash your hands of any sin, purify your uh, mind. These are all uh, imperatives in the Greek. And there's 10 of them and God is commanding. And so that's what we're doing. We're simply doing that even before we step into worship and just joy. We're simply bowing our heads, acknowledging His presence, and preparing ourselves. Now, on every page to the left, you're going to find uh, Scripture, the Word of God, um, and we mark down even other Scriptures. Add, Use that column to add Scripture verses to what God is showing you. We add some of the things. It's a good thing to remember repentance, putting things, uh, uh, sin away from your life, things like that, and uh, seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance. Uh, the power of God, the fire of God to fall on us as we get ready to pour into it. So that's just simply preparation. And uh, and just what you need to do is uh, give yourself about five minutes. Just you, you need to do this all week long, maybe for a couple of weeks. And uh, don't leave this page. Focus on it. Stand, you know, get before the Lord and focus. Just Lord, how can I better prepare myself? How can I consecrate myself before you, knowing that you're going to do great things in this next hour of prayer? How can I just be attentive to the Holy Spirit and cut out everything else? Can I cast some of my burdens before you? Can I cast some of the other things before you? Can I recognize the Holy Spirit's presence and guidance? Oh God, give me just a fire and a grace and move through me. I am here, Lord, and uh, speak to me uh, by the Holy Spirit. Remind me of the Word of God. And uh, there's where you simply honor the Lord, His presence deep within you, inseparably within, uh, unbroken fellowship inside. And uh, His presence and His willingness to speak and pour out wisdom and guidance and direction. 
And that's what he'll do. Now, now take time and uh, put down requests. Maybe, maybe if God convicts you of something, write down things and, and so forth. The neat thing about writing down things, scripture verses, what the Spirit of God is saying to you, is that when you do this again and again and again for six months, you can go back over the whole of the prayer map and see it as a spiritual journey. You can see interaction. You can see where God is teaching you in the process. This is not a five-minute devotional prayer time. This is not a two-minute crying out in crisis to God. This is saying, God, I'm dedicating an hour. So take it as homework. Cut off the TV and watch. I mean, when's the last time you've watched television? You were so impacted by watching CSI or some other movie, some other television thing. There's a couple of shows I like. But, but I, I think that we need to realize that when we're done watching an hour or two of television, it has really done nothing for us. That if you spend an hour in prayer, worship, intercession before God, listening to the Word of God in a quiet place and uh, a place that you can meet with the Lord, uh, so much more, more relaxation, more uh, blessing, more peace um, in your life. And uh, what, what a tremendous thing. And so you might want to uh, you know, go over the value of two hours of television as compared to one hour even with God. I encourage you to take this prayer map in these pages and spend time this week. When you go to page 2, it says at the top, Worship, a blaze in the Spirit, Psalm 103. Um, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. There's where you can get before the Lord and give praise and thanksgiving and worship Him, embrace Him, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come you know, before the throne of grace with confidence. You come before the Father and you begin to just bless Him and praise Him and worship. Now listen, while you're worshiping, don't ask Him anything yet. I'm saying now just focus. Ascribe greatness to God. Look over some of the Psalms. And ascribe greatness and power and glory. You know what praise is? Well, obviously, praise, uh, God inhabits the praise. That means His manifest presence really is just going to fill us in the midst of that praise. Because we're reaching out in praise and embracing God. And in the midst of our praising Him and worshiping Him, He also then is reaching His arms around us. And there is a quantania, a fellowship with God. A, a, a personal interaction with the God who is uh, inseparably present within you, upon you, above you. And uh, this is a tremendous time. Listen, why go into intercession and all the other things without first just getting before the Lord and blessing Him and seeking Him and thanking Him about salvation? Listen, just, now again, spend five, ten minutes do this consistently, you're going to be able to see God remind you of things to be thankful for. Uh, you're going to find tremendous uh, manifestation of His presence. You're going to find times when you just love to worship God. There's sometimes I just like to turn on a worship CD with a couple of my favorite worship songs, and I just get before the Lord, and I sing these songs on this page. I'll take time to do that. Sometimes we're in the car, we'll sing a song. Or we're in a Bible study. We'll just break out during this time in a worship. Otherwise, all of us are just praising God and thanking God and worshiping God and acknowledging Him. And uh, that builds our own faith. We're, we're not telling Him anything He doesn't know. Uh, you know, we're literally manifesting uh, truths about God in our worship. We're manifesting out loud and giving confession and testimony. Amazing grace. 
I stand amazed in the presence, how great thou art, or any of the praise choruses. And uh, listen, be filled with praise and thanksgiving, especially in times of trouble and battle and so forth. Give praise and praise and praise and worship to God. Obviously, in the midst of spiritual battle in the Old Testament, the king had to send out the praise team to sing and worship because they didn't have an army that could fight the demonized nation that came to fight and tear them down. And uh, God literally through that praise and worship came with power and literally um, attacked the demonic uh, uh, presence and power on that nation and confused them. And of course, Israel won the victory because God came in to help them. So uh, obviously in the New Testament with Paul and Silas in prison, what were they doing? They're singing hymns to God and praying. And an earthquake came. I don't know if the earthquake's going to come or not. I'm not doing it for the sake of an earthquake or just to see something. I'm simply saying that as you sing, they, weren't, they were just singing and praising God. And through that singing and, 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 and praising God and singing hymns and prayers, the jailer was hearing content about salvation. How else could he ask after the, after the jail cells you know, opened from the earthquake and, and uh, he feared and he was going to kill himself and he cried out uh, how, how he could be saved? And the answer, of course, was believe in the name of the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved and your household. And look what happened. Look at the events. Incredible, enormous events. So worship God. Embrace the King. Worship in the presence of the Spirit. Praise and glorify God. Declare God's wonders and attributes and character. Praise Him for His Word, His works, the things that He's doing in your life. And then from that time of worship and prayer and your focus in that area, you can move then into intercession. And that's the outline Jesus gave. Pray now that the kingdom of God, which is being done in heaven, and the will of God done in heaven, will now be implemented on the earth and the the priority obviously is for the prayers of the lost obviously is for the salvation of souls obviously so as you go through this and uh, you read through this uh, you're going to see um, so many and and what i'm going to do right now since we're at about an hour uh, this is part one of uh, the spiritual warfare uh, prayer mapping and uh, just simply teaching by the word of God, we should be taught to do this. We should be able to do this. I, I live by that sequence. Worship God, move into intercession and prayers and so forth and pray for myself. Deal with, you know, along the way, you can deal with anything in your life as far as sin and deliverance and uh, keeping us from temptation. And then it says, deliver me from the evil one. That's when we pour out the prayers uh, in intercession against the enemy. And uh, in Shatter's work, we need, and all of us need to target Spiritual warfare is a normal part of the development of every disciple of every church. God's created His church to be a vessel of grace and of spiritual warfare. He gave us grace, mercy, and truth, the, the good news of the gospel, but He also gave us the armor of God and the authority of Jesus to trample. And both of those, and pastors and leaders, that's the Word of God. I'm not telling you anything new, but it has to be brought into our churches. We need to practice what we've been instructed to do, what the models of the New Testament is is all about. And we need to simply do what God has said to do. And uh, I, I'm just including all those who are joining up in, in, in prayers with us and uh, that use the prayer map like this. And you'll be able to add pages. Listen, you're going to have about 10 pages. I probably have about 18 pages because we have a lot of other focused areas, which we're going to tell you about. But simply this, 
Prayer is the place of power, of God's presence, of miracles, of the fire of God. It's where revivals are birthed. It's where we hear from God. It's where the Spirit of God and supplication moves on us. It's where we learn how to pray out general prayers, but also specific, focused, targeted things until we get the answer, until we bear the fruit, until what we're seeking and asking God uh, comes about, that there is reception, that there is finding, and that doors literally open, and that God's miracles occur. Let me encourage you to go on to part two. This is Russ Dizdar, ShatterTheDarkness.net, going over the spiritual uh, prayer and intercessory uh, prayer map that we use. God bless you.